0: Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Well, after Jesus' death and after His resurrection and before He ascended, before He left uh, to To be with his father until he returns again. In that moment, Jesus commissioned his disciples to go and make more disciples. You remember that we call that the great commission. The mission for everyone who follows Jesus is to share the good news, to share the gospel of who Jesus is. The mission is to point people to Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. The mission is leading people to salvation through Jesus Christ. We are the church. We are the people of God saved by grace and called to that mission. Too often, unfortunately, in our world today, We sometimes act as if attending church is all that being a Christian means. We act like the only thing that a Christian is meant to do is attend church. Oh, and maybe be a nice person outside of church. That's kind of where we settle with. We forget that we have a mission that we are meant to live. We We forget that we are commissioned to make disciples. After Jesus, when the church first began, the people of the church, they went out and they lived their lives. And as they lived their lives, they were sharing the gospel and they were telling people about Jesus. And then on Sunday... They would come together in the church, as the church, to worship together. And when someone they knew decided to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior and become a Christian, then that person would join with them as members of the church. Here's what the Bible says about the early church. In Acts 2, verse 42 and verse 47, it says, they, meaning the early Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. The apostles were teaching about Jesus, so they were devoted to learning about Jesus, and they were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to being together, to the fellowship, and they were devoted to the breaking of bread. When they met together, they took communion together in memory of Jesus, and it says that they were devoted to prayer. Praising God, lifting him up, singing in worship, and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's how the early church functioned. They met together on Sunday, but then they lived their lives as the church outside of that Sunday morning gathering. And when those that they knew learned about Jesus through them, they then joined with them as the church. Hebrews 10.25 says this. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I don't, I don't know if you listen to the Christian radio station, our local Christian radio station, WBGL, but their morning show recently posted a question online. It was a very simple question. All they asked in this post or when they were on the, the radio broadcast, they said, where do you go to church? That was the question. Over 5,000 comments were made. I was so encouraged to see those comments and to kind of look through them, just kind of skim through some of them, and to hear people either just giving the name of the church that they worship together with or sharing a nice positive testimony about their church. I even saw Rossville Church of Christ mentioned a couple times. It's so good to have a church family to be part of. Another good question to consider is this question. Why do you go to church? Why do you go to church? We're meant to be a community. We're meant to be a family. We are meant to live our faith together. We need each other for encouragement and for support. We need one another to challenge each other. We need to hold one another accountable. This morning in the adult Sunday school class, Eric was talking about when Nathan, as the prophet, confronted David with his sin. We need to sometimes confront one another. We need to be there to hold each other accountable. We need the discussion and the corporate learning from Scripture. And we need to pray together, and we need to pray with each other. Yes, God wants us to come together for worship. That's what God wants. And I believe that our worship is pleasing to him. But is that all God wants? Is that all that God wants? Is there more to being a believer? More to being a disciple? Is there more to being a Christian than just attending Church, we've been looking at the Proverbs, some of the Proverbs that are written in the Old Testament, and in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 3 happened to catch my eye. So if we read that, Proverbs 21, verse 2 and verse 3, here's what it says. It says, a person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Now, when when Proverbs was written, worship was centered on the giving of a sacrifice, as Megan shared this morning with worship, talking about the altar At that time in history, worship was all centered around this sacrifice. People would honor God by giving him a sacrifice. They would give an unblemished lamb, the best of their bunch. But this proverb here in Proverbs 21, it tells us something very very telling. It tells us that God is looking deeper than the sacrifice. God looks even deeper than our worship. God looks within our hearts. That's where the Lord looks. He's looking within our hearts. Is our faith all about a Sunday morning at church, or is our faith a 24 7 transformation of who we are? Here's how the Message Bible paraphrases this verse it says, Clean living before God and justice with our neighbors means far more to God than religious performance. God is pleased and God is honored when we do what is right and what is just. It reminded me of another story from the Old Testament, a story from the Old Testament history that reminds us that God does expect more than just our worship, God expects our obedience. Our obedience means even more than our worship. At this point in history, Saul is the king, and God has told him as king to rise up against the Amalekites. God said, take them out, destroy them, destroy them all. And now let me just say, that's hard to hear. That's hard to hear. This is one of those times where you're reading the Bible and you come across this and it kind of shocks you. You kind of go, wait, what? What's going on? The Amalekites were a nomadic tribe of people and repeatedly through the years they had tried to take out and annihilate the Jews, the people of God. They were trying to destroy them. They were bent on destroying them. But God at this point in history is confronting them. He's confronting their oppression and their aggression and he told Saul to put an end to it. This was God calling for a purge and his command was clear. In 1 Samuel 15.3 it says, Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all the belongings to them. Do not spare them, put put them to death, men, women, children, infants, cattle, sheep, camels and donkeys." And I wish I didn't have to read that. I wish I could just ignore that. Why would God have the Israelites annihilate an entire group of people, women and children included? And I honestly don't know if I have a good answer. It's just hard. But we trust that God is just, and we recognize that we, can under, we cannot understand all that God knows. He is sovereign, he is infinite, he is eternal, and we are not. God knows the future. And God knew what would happen if this evil was not completely eradicated. God is righteous in his judgment when it comes to evil. God hates evil. That is clear when you read scriptures. And the Amalekite nation was evil. Admittedly, it's hard to hear, hard to understand, but God is God and we are not. God has the authority over life. And God alone has the right to make these brutal judgments. And God in this judgment in this very, very specific situation called for Saul and his army to take life. And God said, take it all, even the livestock. But that's not what Saul did. That's not what he does. Saul attacked them, but he also kept back their sheep and the cattle, the best of the sheep and the cattle he kept for their nation. So God had the prophet Samuel go speak to him. And this is how it reads in 1 Samuel, chapter 15, verse 13 through 23. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you, I've carried out the Lord's instructions. You hear that right off the start. God, I did right. I did what I was supposed to do, I carried out the instructions. But Samuel said, What then is that bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of cattle that I hear? Uh, A little snide way of saying, uh, I hear something. You know, and Saul answers, Well, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. We got these for you, God. We did this for you. We totally destroy the rest. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, Go and destroy those wicked people, and wage war against them till you've wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed them and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the Lord?" And here it is. Listen to this is what he says. He says, To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and the arrogance like the evil of idolatry. God calls us to do what is right. Even when doing what is right is hard for us to understand. We do right when we do what he says. We do what is right when we do what God says, even when we don't understand why. Saul probably thought, hey, it's good. We've taken them out. It's gone just like God said. And look, they've got some pretty good livestock that we could take and we could use to sacrifice for God. Wouldn't God be pleased with this? But he's not doing what God said. We do right when we do what God says. And listen, please hear my heart on this. Please hear my heart on this. There are some things that God has called us to that I don't understand. There are some things that God has called sin, and I really don't know necessarily why. There are some things that I want to be okay with. Some things that I personally don't understand why they're wrong. But because God clearly calls it a sin, it is a sin. And I will treat it that way. I may not understand it. I may not be able to explain it. But if God says it, then I'm going to follow it. Because God's ways, his understanding is greater than mine. I don't have to understand it to trust what God says about it. There are some things that God expects and calls us to that are not easy to do. It makes us uncomfortable. A quick example. I remember the first time Leanne and I started talking about tithing. And I thought this doesn't make sense. I want to pay my bills first and then, you know, kind of figure out where I can give to God because I got to take care of my bills first and God spoke into that and he said, no, I'm at the top. Tithe first and then take care of the bills. That wasn't easy to do at that time. Didn't make sense. Crunch the numbers, do the math. This doesn't add up, God. God, you must not understand math. But you take that step and you say, okay, I'm going to trust and I'm going to do. I don't understand it, but I'm going to do it. It's uncomfortable. And there's things that God calls us to and we, might, we may wonder why. God, why do, you, why do you want that? Why are you asking me to forgive that person? Why are you asking me to take that step that looks like it's going to be a step back? Why, why, why God? Why? But we do right when we trust God and when we walk in obedience to God even if we don't understand it and even when it's hard to do. God is calling us to obedience and if we want to walk in obedience there are things that we are supposed to reject and there are things that we're supposed to embrace. In Colossians 3 we get a good exa- we get a good example of this. Colossians 3 verse 5 through 10 since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. You see, if we're serious about living in obedience to Christ, it means that there are some things in our life that we need to drive a stake through and say it's dead. It's no longer a part of who I am. I don't talk the way I used to talk. I don't think the way that I used to think. I don't joke the way that I used to joke. I don't treat people the way that I used to treat people. I am different now. I have put some things to death. I have rejected them. That's what it tells us. And if we look again at Proverbs... Proverbs 20, verse 26, says, A wise king winnows out the wicked, he drives the threshing wheel over them. I'm not a farmer. Kind of had to look this up. Here's what a winnow uh, this does. Uh, winnowing a threshing wheel. In agriculture terms, to winnow something is to sort it out. To separate it. A threshing wheel was a tool that was used to roll over the grain and separate the good edible grain from the useless chaff. God tells us that we need to winnow out the wicked. God tells us we need to run a threshing wheel over our lives. We need to get rid of that which is bad and not of God. And we need to keep that which is good. That certainly implies, applies to our individual personal lives, but I think it also applies to what we allow to have influence in our lives. It's the people that we listen to, those that we allow to have a voice into our thoughts. It's the way we entertain ourselves, what we allow to influence who we are. Jesus said it like this. He warned us. He said, be careful because a little yeast will work its way all the way through the dough. Be careful because some of the things that you consider small and trivial, eh, its not that big a deal. It's not that significant. Some of those things that we consider small and trivial they can become big dangerous things in our life we need to be cautious about that if doing right means living in obedience then we need to do right and quit excusing or justifying the small sins oh it's just a little comfort. it's just a little thing we need to quit doing that we need to repent and fight against even those little holds that the world still has on us. We're also called to embrace certain actions. Colossians 3 continues in verse 12 through 14, and it says, therefore, now that you've put certain things to death, you've put certain things away, you've gotten rid of them, you've quit some certain behaviors, and now he says, therefore, as God's chosen holy people, holy Dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another, even if you have had a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. You see, obedience to God isn't just about avoiding sin. Obedience is also about doing good. We are the church. We are the people that are saved by the grace of God. And for the life of me, I do not know why some of the meanest people that I've come across are people in the church. Some of the biggest hypocrites that I've come across are people in the church. Some of the most judgmental people that I've come across are people. In the church, and I hate to say it, but it's true. Sometimes Christians don't act very Christ like. Sometimes, even Christians struggle with bad attitudes and sinful actions. The church is definitely not a group of perfect people. No church is a group of perfect people. If you're only going to attend or participate, with a church that has perfect people, good luck finding it because there's a word there called people, <laughs> and we're all struggling with sin. The church is for the broken, the church is for the hurting, the church is for the messed up and those who are struggling. But it's also where the grace of God is abundant, it's where lives are changed by the love of God. And more often, more often than not, the nicest, most genuine, most caring, and the best people I've ever met are people in the church. Christians who are kind. Christians who are compassionate. Christians who are generous. Christians who are humble and gentle and patient. Christians who are slow to anger and quick to forgive. Christians who have a a very, very evident love for the Lord and do really, really well at loving others. Christians who reflect the heart of God. Don't just go to church on Sunday. Be the church every day. Because that's what God wants Yes, he wants us to be here. Yes, he wants us to come together to worship. But he's also called us to a new life, a life that is surrendered over to him as Lord and Savior. He has called us to live according to his word, to put to death our sinful actions and to become Christ-like in the things that we do. We're meant to worship him together as the church We're meant to live each and every day as the church, doing what is right and doing what is just. And finally, let us not forget that we are called to live a mission. We are called to a mission. There are so many people. More and more, as the years go by, there are so many people who are lost. And they're still facing the judgment of God for their sin. Let's show them faith in Christ by the way that we live. And more than that, let's share our faith in Christ by actually talking to them about Jesus. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let us do what is right and just and live in obedience to the Lord Let's do more than just go to church. Let's be the church on mission, sharing Jesus and saving lives for eternity. God, thank you that you have called us to something great, to a mission, to a purpose, to share the faith, the good news, that there is hope beyond this life, a promise, an assurance, that there is forgiveness for our sins. I pray that we are willing to step into the uncomfortable and the things that are hard. And I pray that we're committed to your truth and your will, even when we don't understand why. Help us to do what is right and just. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. May the Word of God be living and active in your life.